Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Courtney Staples and Ian Woodworth. On today's episode, we are doing the mash, the monster mash, because, man, I love that shit, and Ian hasn't done it yet, so we're like, yeah, Ian, get on here, we're going to do a monster mash, give us your favorite monsters, we're going to add them to the list, and hopefully... We roll well enough that you get to talk about the monsters that you want to talk about or not. You know, we'll rig it one way or the other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but before we get into that, uh, before we roll them dice and see where we end up on the monster chart, I always like to remind people, hey, do you have a prompt for a world building setting that you want us to kind of fumble around with? Guess what? We've got a website that you can go to and submit a prompt. That website, by the way, worldbuildwithus.com. You can click a link. Follow some instructions and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. We're on social media over on the YouTube now. We got a YouTube channel. Go and do all the YouTube stuff. Click buttons until it says that it's good. I don't know how it works personally. We've also got Twitter uh, for honestly don't know how much longer, but it's still there. It's at Let's World Build. And uh, let's see what else we got. We've got oh, we've got a Patreon so if you want to support us in any way, first of all, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. But, you know, it's not just a one-way street. You don't just give us money. You get in return Too Hot for Broadcast, which, by the way, okay, I don't normally plug Too Hot for Broadcast, but I went through them recently, like, all in a big chunk. And, man, they're ridiculously fun. And, like, it mm -hmm. feels like I'm hanging out with my friends when I listen to those things. Um, but that's just one bit of content. We've also got a monthly patron-only podcast called The Aphid Lounge. Those are, those are some good ones, too. And we've also got a Discord if you want to come and chat with us. If you're a patron, you also get access to the patron-only Discord. So if you're interested, come by, chat with us. That's what we're here for. And with all of that out of the way, we're going to kick it over to Ian. Ian, tell us who you, I mean, you've been a host multiple times now. We know who you are, right? I should I should hope so. So yes. <laughs> wait, wait, who are you? So again? with that in mind, why don't you plug the stuff that you're involved in so people can go and look at it or listen to it? Or both. Or both, yeah. Um, so I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast Undercommon Taste. We are a TTRPG homebrew podcast. We go through various monster lore, trying to bring some of the older uh D stuff up to fifth edition trying to bring in real-life mythology into your game. We've been recently doing a whole series on North American cryptids. Hell yeah. The most recent episode at time of recording would be our episode on the Mothman and the Jersey Devil. Ooh. Um, so we are on all podcast aggregators. We're on YouTube. Just search under common taste. We are also on the flaming wreckage of Twitter at UCT Homebrew. <laughs> mm. So one bit of advice that I would have is to watch out for the bridge. You know, if you're doing something on the Mothman, just look out for the bridge. That's all I'm going to have to say about that. Um, all right. Well, thank you again for joining us today, Ian. We always have a blast with you. And again, the way the Monster Mash works, we have a list of monsters that we've all provided. Many of them are our favorites. Well, actually, all of them are our favorites. That's kind of how it works. But we've got a list of monsters. We're going to roll a die to see which monster we're going to be focusing on. 
Then we roll for uh, all sorts of different like genres and scenarios, and we have to recontextualize that monster within the context of the stuff that we roll. Now, we're just going to roll right into it. So we're going to roll that die, and our monster that we're working with this time is... Oh, baby, that's nat 20, which means that Ian... Okay, not rigged, but we are, in fact, doing one of Ian's monsters. So we've got the Kelpie. Mm -hmm. So, Ian, as it's your monster, why don't you go ahead and give people who might not be familiar with the Kelpie a little uh, little history lesson, a little folklore lesson for us, why don't you? All right, I'll I'll try and keep this brief, but if you... I'm going to do a shameless plug because if you want to hear more about the Kelpie, we did an episode where we talked about the Kelpie mm-hmm. a couple months back. Hell yeah. So the Kelpie is a creature from Scottish folktales, mm-hmm. primarily found in rivers and streams. Uh, it is a creature that is mainly made of sea plants that takes either the form of a person or of a horse and their whole thing is to lure people to the edge of the water and then lure them into the water and drown them hey look at me i'm i'm a nice horse don't you want to come ride me don't you want to come pet my mane uh of course i do and then i jump on and then i'm stuck to it like glue right isn't that how it works normally yeah that's that's kind of how it works in the stories um And there's a lot of early Christian mythology surrounding it of, you know, saints casting out Kelpies. There's a whole thing about if you can get a bridle and harness that has been sanctified onto a Kelpie, it is bound in its horse form and it is uh, bound to your will until it Mm -hmm. is able to get away, which never ends well for the person who binds it. Yeah, (laughs) understandably. And uh, actually, the Loch Ness Monster started as a Kelpie story. Oh, really? And the understanding that I have from various uh, anthropological research is that the stories of the Kelpies arose as a way to warn of the dangers of fast-moving currents, fast-moving rivers, Mm -hmm. And the vegetation that grows in the rivers that, you know, it lurks beneath the surface. so You can't really see it. And then you get bound up in it. And the fast moving water Mm. pulls you under and drowns you. Fascinating. That's really cool. I didn't know about that part. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So, Ian, because it's your monster, why don't you tell us briefly, like, why you why is this one of your favorite monsters? It's it's just one of those that has a whole lot of lore surrounding it. And a whole lot of different iterations, especially in tabletop games, because it it has gone through multiple iterations through Dungeons and Dragons from edition to edition. It changes a lot. And it's it's one that I think doesn't get enough love because it Mm. it is very versatile in what you can do with it. And it, it ends up most of the time just becoming this you know, random encounter in a body of water where they try and charm somebody into the water to drown them. And it doesn't have a whole lot more beyond that. Mm-hmm. And so I I just like playing with the concepts, the, the folklore 
elements of it in order to, you know, bring out a little bit more flavor to it. Well, hopefully we're going to be able to do that today with this episode. Hopefully we get to show off the breadth and interesting nature of the Kelpie with this Monster Mash. So let's go ahead and do our first roll. Let's see what genre we're going to be kind of updating or melding the Kelpie into. And the genre that we're going to be taking the Kelpie into is... That's going to be paranormal romance. Oh boy. That's going to be a really fun one. That's appropriate. I completely (laughs) agree. Yes. So Mm -hmm. the theme that we're going to be dealing with within this paranormal romance is going to be invasion. Okay. So Ian, we've got invasion story. We've got Kelpies. We've got paranormal romance. Please explain to me the horse girl love that is uh, <laughs> that is Kelpie during the wartime, I guess. So, yeah, start us off. We got paranormal romance. What are we looking at here, Ian? Um, so I'm almost seeing this. Uh, we can almost make this sort of like a historical paranormal romance and do this as Maybe the invasion is not a military invasion, Mm. but the invasion is early Christianity coming into this pagan Mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. I had that in mind as well. That's that's an interesting one. So in this regard, then, do you see like the Kelpie is a sort of like symbol for pagan religions or something like that? So like embracing the Kelpie is embracing this older religion. Um, potentially it could be see here I'm trying to work it out in my head here mm. um i mean if you guys have anything go ahead and go ahead and throw it out yeah so yeah why don't we hear from courtney courtney uh you were never a horse girl as far as i know <laughs> so maybe you can you know like tell us what you're thinking about this type of thing over here yeah no i was never never into horses um but it's kind of <laughs> funny that you went right into like early christianity and that sort of thing because i I think the association for me with paranormal romance is like a more modern tale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure where to go with it, but just picturing like something about maybe a, a Kelpie like entity who's been tasked with perhaps seducing and uh, offing someone Ooh. else, but instead they end up falling in love, sort of like a Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. tragic love story type thing. Oh, I, I really love that actually. That's mm-hmm. good. And that actually does play into some of the Kelpie lore, um, mm-hmm. because especially predominantly you see Kelpies portrayed as feminine in most of the stories. But there are mm-hmm. stories with male Kelpies mm-hmm. and they they will take a human form and they will go and they will entice individuals and they will seduce them. And there mm-hmm. are there are instances where, you know. If you can gain the love of a Kelpie, it will turn them away from their insidious nature. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. So we could technically have like, if we wanted to go good Christian route, then that you know you could have the love of this person redeems the Kelpie in the eyes of the Lord, you know, or something like that. 
Or we could have a straight up bodice ripper romance that involves a Kelpie, a, a sexy, mm. sexy Kelpie horseman or something like that as well. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm thinking like a blacksmith who has the apron on, but no shirt underneath, you know, like that's the cover, mm-hmm. but it's also a horseman. So that's where my brain is going. Please uh, stop these intrusive thoughts and someone else guide us in the right direction here. I, I mean, I'm all for a bodice ripper. I, I'm cool with that direction if Hell we yeah. want to go that way and just like <laughs> go all in on the paranormal romance here. I'm I'm okay with that. I also love Ian's, you know, like forbidden love angle where there is like the the denial of the self that is like repressive church thought or something like that. But if we're talking like early Christianity, then we're looking at like uh, in Scotland, what is that like eleven hundreds? Ian, is that correct or um it because it would have been pre Norman invasion, mm. so that would be like mid to late nine hundreds. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I wasn't too far off; just two hundred years, no big deal. You know, mm-hmm. nothing ever happens in 200 years. Never. <laughs> okay. Oh, or, or we can. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Wait, this is going to sound really dumb. May, maybe we can set it during the time of Macbeth and we can just have Macbeth, but with a Kelpie mm. and like sexy, sexy horse people or, or romance or something like that going on. I'm just tossing it out there. Um, again, terrible idea, but I kind of want to run with it a little bit. Just no, I'm, a little bit. I'm all for that. Just make it sexy. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay. But in, in, in earnestness now, right? Like let, let's take this, let's take this idea. I love the idea that we have right now where the conflict, the invasion is Christianity into heathen or pagan lands. Right. Mm-hmm. And so again, I'm under the assumption that the Kelpie represents the pagan land. So there's an attempt to uh, paganize the invading Christian force in some way. Right. Is that the direction that we want to go to? Or can we somehow make the Kelpie Christian? I don't know how you would do that. Because again, Kelpies to me represent something wild and deliberately, you know, like nature related rather than Mm -hmm. of the Lord, you know? I mean, it could ultimately resolve in the Kelpie, you know, casting off their their ability to shapeshift, casting off their... Mm -hmm their natural, if you will, form to take on this humanoid form permanently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another way to go with it is like the idea, Ian, that you had brought up of if a Kelpie is like bridled and sort of reined in literally, maybe that's what happened to this Kelpie in terms of Christianity. Like he is currently quote unquote owned by a Christian force that's Mm. come in. And is sort of working under them. But like you said, that often doesn't work out so well for the people oh, yeah. who are in control. So maybe he, with the help of um, this like pagan love interest, uh, learns to like get rid of those shackles and or, return or, to his Christian, like a, a yeah. Christian love interest. Yeah, yeah because yeah. Then, then you have somebody, you know, that sympathetic person within the invading force that sees the injustice and works Mm -hmm. to you know subvert the the overarching authority yeah and then we can have our our great kelpie bloodbath at the end and it'll be great (laughs) excellent (laughs) yeah okay so when it when it comes to that right like i'm imagining that 
we're looking at this story from a revisionist history type thing where in reality, you know, like the rider of the Kelpie rides off under the river and then, you know, comes up on the other side. But in the revised version, the Christian version, they're like, no, they drowned. They drowned them. Like we can't have forbidden horse Kelpie love. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I do love that. I love that idea quite a bit. Is there any way that we can make this, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit like sexier and or like amp up the level of conflict in some way? Um, There could be a love interest on both sides. Like you could have a pagan and a Christian woman or man uh, Mm. vying for this Kelpie's affection or or maybe it's a like fun poly situation. Who knows? (laughs) Extra sexy. Yeah, Kelpie relationships are complicated, I guess, yes, right? Yes, very, very. Yeah. Uh, now, now, I have a question about this. Would you consider Kelpies in a relationship to be a bit clingy? Get it? Because they, uh, they, they're like glue. They're, they make people stick to them. Get uh, it? Yeah. Oh, that's going in the episode, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> uh, okay, I was at my most powerful with the extended silence that you gave me as well. I hope you recognize <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, good. Uh, very happy about that. Very excited. Um, well, okay. We've got a really solid story here. Maybe we can solve the the thruple situation once we toss in the twist so let's bust open the twist list and see what we get maybe we can find a little more guidance with this mash right and our twist this time is the big bad wasn't really the big bad Hmm. so with this that makes me think that the Kelpie is in fact just a remorseless horse demon here. And it's using its bondage as a kind of like sympathy type thing. Because in the current story that we have, it's like forbidden love. It's like the Christian invading force and stuff like that. Like, so the big bad is obviously like the repressive, like invading clergy. Right. But That's not really the case. It's still a demon horse. It's still like a fae who's going to try and drown people, right? Mm -hmm. So is that something that we want to play with? Or do we have better ideas to work with here? See, I I like that idea because that is a very fae thing to do. Is to portray yourself as being less powerful or less involved than you actually are Mm -hmm. in order to position yourself in such a way as to uh, execute with the most impact at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you had kind of hinted before about some sort of bloodbath at the end. And yeah, yeah, I'm imagining that that's going to be like far more than we could anticipate based mm-hmm. on this Kelpie kind of masking their power for so long. Okay. Can I give you the horror scenario? Because this has gone from paranormal romance to paranormal romance horror in my (laughs) brain. Okay. Imagine that you are the lover of this Kelpie. You finally unbridle them. You're like, I set you free. I finally have the opportunity to do so. You mount the Kelpie, not in a sexy way. You mount the Kelpie (laughs) and then you are stuck to it as it commits horrible war crimes against you and your loved ones. 
Come on. Yeah. Tell me that's not horrifying, right? No, that's appropriate. That is that is because mm-hmm. Fae aren't nice. No. Especially if you piss them off. The, you know, right. you know what I know about Faye. All right. One, you never accept their food or drink. All right. You never accept their favors and you never want to bind them against their will. That's what I know mm-hmm. about Faye for certain. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I mean, it could also be like this Kelpie, even though he loves this love interest in some way, like there's still that resentment. Like you, you're part of this invading group and mm. you, you didn't just free me. Like you could have freed me at some point at risks yourself granted, but you didn't. So Ooh, yeah. you're going to be part of this bloodbath too. As a, as a symbol of my love, I will kill you last. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and I imagine, right? Like I, I love the nuance that you're suggesting here, Courtney, in that, you know, like, there were opportunities where you could have let me go at any time. Yeah. Right? Like it yeah. did not have to be this way. And then like the Kelpie had to suffer some horrendous misdeed on the part of the Christians for the mm-hmm. love interest to finally be like, okay, I'll, I'll set you free. Right. When the Kelpie's like, you went way too far. You let it go yeah. too far. You could have let me go. And I would have walked away from this whole situation because I genuinely did love you. And now mm-hmm. you're going to come with me, right? Like as this kind of like, fuck you, free me type of attitude that it would have. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's not even that he necessarily kills her, but that he's going to basically use her to move around more freely uh, in Christian lands. Now that mm. he has this Christian quote unquote ally um, <laughs> and he can sort of get around easier and, and commit further atrocities. Mm. yeah it Mm. could be it could be more of a you know i was in bondage for this period of time and so now you Mm. are also going to suffer as i have suffered Mm -hmm. yeah minus Mm -hmm. a day because you know they wanted to make it fair right like that's kind (laughs) of how i'm imagining it it's like i was enslaved for this long so you will be minus a day because i'm better than you you know like as a species like right. that kind of like superiority is also kind of baked into Faye, I think, as well. You yeah. Know? You're like, oh, I'm totally showing you mercy by letting you exactly. out one day earlier. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, right? Like it's not technically going to like be as abusive as the the Christians were. Yeah. In that, like it's not going to physically harm her, but oh boy, it's gonna almost seem worse in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like that le- yeah. that type of bondage. But okay, that's fucked up. That's the type of amazingly (laughs) awful, like, love story that I'm into, especially when it comes to Faye. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I like that it goes from, you know, like, bodice ripper, like, kind of romantic to straight up horror show after a while. That's fun to me. I'm also getting, like, the witch aesthetics for some reason in my brain, you know? I like the the movie, you mean? Yeah, yeah, sorry, the movie. Yes, apologies. Yeah, like that very, like, gray, bleak kind of feel. Very dark, you know, like, very Mm -hmm. naturalistic lighting, stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's just one way that we can take the Kelpie, right? That's just one situation that we can set up. And, like, realistically, you can hang adventure hooks on either end of that, right? So... Uh, you can have that just be the background to the adventures like, yo, you got to go fucking kill this this Kelpie mm-hmm. or it can be, you know, you can watch it play out to a certain extent, that kind of thing. Or it yeah. can be like, we really need you to save this woman, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and who that woman is, the writer, 
you know, like their importance or their role in society might drastically change what that kind of adventure looks like. If it's mm-hmm. a princess or like, you know, someone who is the daughter of someone very important, then yeah, like maybe, maybe it's going to be a little bit different. Like, oh, it's a peasant. You just let him die. Who cares? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or the adventure that I'm seeing is, you know, this town, we haven't seen anybody from that town come in for the last week or so. So they send people out to investigate and they find a town full of people who have been drowned on dry land. Yeah. Yeah. And so now they have to figure out what did it, where it went and all of that. Yeah. I like that a lot. It reminds me of like a kind of the Witcher sort of investigation. Mm, Yeah. That sort of vibe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, like, the clues that you get are like journal entries from various perspectives, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, maybe you get the repressive church coming in first and being like, we found this creature, we bound it to our will, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And then alternatively, you eventually find like the, the love journal or diary of this woman. And then you kind of put two and two together. You're like, Oh, Oh no, this is bad. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. That can be a fun little twist in the adventure, you know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ian, I'm not going to lie. Kelpie's not very high on my list. Like, again, I, I think I fell into the camp of like, yeah, they're kind of like random encounter, like random bestial monsters. But mm-hmm. what we're doing here is making me really appreciate the Kelpie a lot more. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I had never really thought about them before and like a you know strong adventure type aspect. Um, but I really, really like what we came up with there. And I'm Absolutely. very interested to see what we do next. Yeah. The paranormal romance really like set us off in a very strong direction. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's let's move on to the next monster mash. We're going to keep the Kelpie, obviously, but now we've got to recontextualize them in a new setting and a new genre. And the genre that we're working with this time is. We've got high fantasy. So this is where I would say that the the Kelpie usually resides, right, in high fantasy. So let's kind of take a look and see what kind of theme that we're dealing with here, yeah? The theme that we're dealing with is growth slash expansion. Hmm. And um, last time we didn't roll for a focus, but we've done that, I think, on previous monster mashes, like one key thing to focus on initially. Oh, yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I was just so excited that I got like <laughs> horse fuckers, the, the, the genre, but I was like, I just dove right into it. So that's, you're, that's you're absolutely that's right. Fair. Yeah. Well, there's there's the uh, there's the title for this episode. Oh, God. No, horse no, fuckers, the genre. No, no, <laughs> not allowed. All right. We're, we're trying to keep the titles mostly family friendly, right? <laughs> mostly. <laughs> yeah. Mostly. So right? YouTube doesn't immediately wipe us off the algorithm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why there's too hot for broadcasts about like robot crab Hitler. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the stuff that like will get us uh, turned off the algorithm in some way. But anyway, <laughs> okay. The thing that we're focusing on. Yes. Thank you, Courtney. The thing that we're focusing on this time is. A discovery. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that that to me is a really interesting little set that we've got going on here. So we've got growth expansion. We're focusing on a discovery. And we've got the high fantasy genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking 
that there is a, a country in this high fantasy setting. They are locked out of expanding beyond their natural borders because of whatever reason until they discover a portal to the Fey Realms and they mistake this portal as an opportunity to attempt to expand their borders within the Fey Realm itself. Uh, where the Kelpie come in? Haven't figured that out yet. But <laughs> what do you guys think about that general concept? Do we want to go somewhere else? Courtney, what do you think? Yeah, my first thought, with especially with growth and expansion, was um, Kelpies having to do something with like literally expanding the water that they live in by, I don't know, like somehow drowning people in it somehow expands their domain further out, which I think could fit in with what you have in mind with like mm. a country that can't grow, finds this portal, maybe um, maybe that unlocks some sort of power for them where they're granted this ability to mm. uh, reclaim their waters, so to speak. Mm. Ian, what do you think? Where, where where are we going with this? Because I like what we've got going on so far. So I'm seeing this in my, in my mind. This needs to be some some nation that has a substantial maritime presence. Mm -hmm. mm. And maybe rather than a portal into the Fey realm, it is a portal into the elemental plane of water. Mm. Okay. And so they're, they find this place where maybe it's like a whirlpool and they can send a ship into it and it'll come out of a, a similar whirlpool on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so they're using this as a means to get from the material plane into the plane of water and back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that. That, that sounds really interesting because it's still incredibly dangerous, right? Like you're, you're oh, yes. literally sending mm -hmm. a ship into a whirlpool, like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, so the discovery is the other side of this whirlpool, right? Another option too, is like keeping the whirlpool idea and having it, almost be used like a wormhole to other parts of the world so that mm -hmm. that's how this uh empire is starting to expand more um and then the danger there is like within these wormhole things that probably lead to or are connected to like the fey or water planes that's where the kelpies reside and are maybe trying to lure these things off course mm -hmm. in some way yeah um and i can see because this is high fantasy Perhaps they're figuring out how to open new whirlpools to mm -hmm. open new lanes of mm. traffic to get to different places. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's this maybe it's a previously landlocked country and all of a sudden they have this massive uh, armada, you know, like maybe that's something that we can kind of play with as well, where. You know, like, yeah. yeah, they have the greatest fleet in the world, despite being a landlocked country. It's because they have this ability to travel via Whirlpool to various points within the world. Yeah, which could also relate to the idea that Loch Ness, uh, Nessie herself was originally a, a Kelpie. And maybe they have this Ooh. lock or great lake in their territory that they have discovered this Whirlpool in. And that's yeah. where mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, what we can also do, because it's high fantasy, my brain is immediately going like, okay, does this country then have some kind of an awful pact with Kelpies or a Kelpie god of some kind? Because mm -hmm. if we're dealing with high fantasy, what I would like to do is take the knob of mythicality and like 
crank it all the way up to 12 because it goes past 11, obviously, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So like let's let's make it not just a regular Kelpie, but like the Kelpie, the highest of high Kelpies. And like how do we break the knob off of a Kelpie? Now, Ian, you might have some – you know, like some experience with this. So what suggestions might you have for us? So, so let, you're, you're thinking like a, like the Kelpie matriarch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, what is the, the paragon of Kelpie or the God of Kelpie? Something that goes beyond. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I think that we might be able to pull in. Uh, there is some lore from the forgotten realms regarding Kelpies in D and D um, where they existed in this one particular region of the sea and the sea elves would basically hunt and harvest them because they, they had a, an oil that you could extract from them that acted as a shark repellent. Mm -hmm. So literal Batman, like anti shark repellent spray from his. (laughs) Oh, yes, literally. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, and there's, there's another instance where, um, and I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but he was like an avatar of the Sahagin shark goddess. Mm. And at one point in the Forgotten Realms books, he ends up making a pact with some elder Kelpies who come out of the water and sing their entrancing, enticing song and lure the entire population of an island into the ocean to drown them so that oh, he fuck. can so that he can resurrect them all and reanimate them all as sea zombies. Holy shit, wow. that's, amazing. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's yeah, great. Okay. I I love that general concept. I love the mm-hmm. fact that these are like the four horse the the four seahorses of the apocalypse, right? Yeah. So what I want to do, I like the idea of these things are being hunted, right? And so the pact that they make is like, listen, you attack the countries that are harvesting us. We will give you the aid, which is, you know, like free whirlpool travel, right? Like that's the kind of trade-off because like, look, we're getting decimated. And then, so I love the idea that landlocked nation that is probably really small suddenly becomes a world player based on this fey pacted like deal that they make with the Kelpie. And that to me, I don't know, that sounds pretty fucking cool, you know, like that sounds yeah. really yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah and, and that would be a massive equalizer mm-hmm. if yeah. you know you have this this tiny landlocked nation that, you know, they've found this lock that has this whirlpool. You know, they may not be able to build very many ships because they may just not have the, you know, the resources to mm-hmm. construct ships. But they only need a small handful of ships, right? Send them through this mm-hmm. uh, whirlpool. They pop out, you know, within a day or two's sail of a major port city of their biggest coastal rival. Right. Mm-hmm. And these Kelpies that they've made a bargain with come out and they start singing their song and they lure all the defenders oh, of yeah. this town out into the ocean and so this this small fleet is able to take this major port city basically uncontested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And OK, I, I've had this idea in my head for a while now. Uh, I, I don't remember where it originated, but I've had this scene in my head and it has to do with the kind of underwater zombies that you're talking about. Right. Right. So why don't necromancers use like zombies and or skeletons more often for like 
attacking from the ocean, right? They don't need Mm -hmm. to breathe. They can travel underwater, no problem. If you put armor on them, right? They can literally just walk across the bottom of this thing. So I'm imagining in my brain this scene where you see like a lonely boat just kind of like bobbing on the waves. And like there's a singular necromancer on there. And then from the tides, walk this army of undead onto the shore, right? Mm -hmm. Like silently, you know, maybe with some glowing eyes, if you really wanted to amp up the tension or, you know, so like all of a sudden the sea looks like it's glowing, like all these little dots and stuff like that. And yeah. then from mm-hmm. that, like walk massive armies of undead soldiers. Right. And, and I can, I can also playing on the cinematics of this, you know, all of these people are coming down to the water's edge to look in because it looks yeah. like just some sort of natural bioluminescent mm-hmm. phenomenon. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. all, Ooh, look how pretty it is. And then the undead yeah. start walking out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. I love that. And then the harbingers of this thing, or maybe the necromancer themselves are riding on Kelpies, you know, like, so like normally what should be like a thing that signals their death is like, oh, it, it like shows the pact that they've created and it makes them feel way more dangerous as a result. Yeah. Yeah. Although to flip it and like to bring it back to the whole, you know, those who claim the Kelpies uh, don't really do well in the end. Mm-hmm. Like I'm imagining that that Kelpie god or matriarch in that lake or lock was perhaps uh, held there or imprisoned there long ago. And this is their attempt to get out into the world again and like take over again. So ultimately, like she is going to have her revenge on all of humanity, including the ones that she just allied with. Oh, yeah. It's uh, what does Benny from the 1999 classic Mm -hmm. Brendan Fraser vehicle (laughs) mummy say in that movie? you know, better to be at the right hand of the devil than in his path, right? Like, Mm -hmm. come on, like you're a tiny landlocked nation grasping for power. You're going to reach out to the Fae, you know, arch Kelpie that are going to offer it to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, as long as you're desperate enough anyway, I don't know. Yeah. This, this is giving me a lot of vibes of uh, one of the D and D gods or goddesses, uh, Umberly, who is referred to as the sea bitch. Okay, <laughs> because, nice. because her her whole thing is that uh, she she is an evil god of the seas and storms, and she mm-hmm. she imparts her wrath upon those who do not pay her proper tribute and travel upon her seas. So that's that's oh. kind of her whole thing. Yeah, no, I I actually um, the one of the gods that I made for um, a homebrew setting of mine uh, was basically that. It's like if you don't you know like pay the tithe to the sea goddess, then you're going to like encounter storms and stuff like that. You know, it's one of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I can, I can absolutely see this, this maritime nation that would find a way to, you know, trap this evil God that is making their lives very difficult and seal them away, away from the ocean where they have no influence. Mm. And then, over time, this goddess is able to find a way to breach the walls of her mm. of her prison, not mm. enough to escape, but enough to allow others to facilitate her. Escape. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's normally what it comes down to. Right. Like, that's kind of the fun thing. Um, OK, we've got a really great begin. We've got a solid foundation here. I love so much about this. Uh, Let's go ahead and roll the die and see what we have for a twist this time. 
Now add in some treachery. Okay. Mm-hmm. The very basic one, the easy one is the Kelpies that were going to betray humanity all along. Yeah. Right? right? That's the easy thing. Can we have the treachery instead be like, look, this small landlocked nation, they were always planning on fucking over the Kelpies in yeah. some way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That, that's where my brain went. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they knew from the start that this was going to be their downfall unless they started preparing right away. And so they've come up with some sort of uh, magic to to hold or to kill mm. the Kelpie matriarch in the end. Oh, yeah. yeah I, because this is a high fantasy setting. I'm almost seeing this as a from from this point now with the twist, um, perhaps they had some scholars who found, you know, evidence of the spell which bound this Kelpie matriarch mm-hmm. and they were able to reverse engineer to the point where they could figure out where she was bound, where her prison mm. is. Mm. And then they figured out, okay, this is the spell which bound her in this prison. We can redo this spell. Yeah. So mm. we're going to, you know, make it look like we just came upon her and found her and we broke her out and we're going to use her as a tool to establish our superiority. And then we'll just cast the spell again and bind her back. Yeah, and cast it better this time. Yeah, so that yeah. this will never happen in the future. Yeah. Oh God, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, and then now you have like bound kelpies who still have the ability to like create these water pathways and stuff like that, but it's like completely under the control of this particular nation. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, like I said, Ian, really digging the kelpies that we've got going on here. You know. Yeah, I think that they are criminally underutilized. They they have a lot of potential that people just don't dive into. Yeah. I mean, it's, it certainly sounds that way, you know, like based Mm -hmm. on what we're talking about here. And honestly, that's what I love about like the monster mash that we do. It's like, we take, you know, like our favorite monsters and then figure out cool ways to kind of make them more interesting, you know, or recontextualize them in a more interesting way. Yeah. Like I said, I hadn't really given much thought to Kelpies before as like a feature in stories, but this is really fascinating and I agree. definitely makes me wonder like what other criminally underused uh, folklore creatures are out there that we haven't even thought about at all. Well, according to Clark, the Jiang Shi is up there. That's mm-hmm. why it's on the list. Yeah. yeah. But uh, again, this is what I love about the monster mash. You know, like we get to explore all these monsters and make them even cooler than they already are. Yeah. Plus, like you said, like, yeah, we absolutely get to figure out cool stuff with the monsters that we might not have really otherwise looked at, you know? Right. Like imagine if we had gotten like a, a sci-fi genre, how different that would look. Oh in my this. God. Interstellar like right. water horses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And instead yeah. of like, drowning you just like bring them out into the vacuum of space and have right. them suffocate that way easy exactly you know yeah where yeah. so so where do we go from here right like we've got what would you consider this nation to be evil like i know that we had the necromancy scene and stuff like that but that's not necessarily uh like canon right like do we want to give this nation a kind of more heroic bent or do we want to make them evil like is this the big bad evil nation of our new setting what are we thinking? How are we working it here? I guess it depends on what what kind of adventure you want to run. Like it could be from the point of view, if you have a party that's, you know, knights of this realm and mm. they are the good guys and they're 
they're fighting for their land and fighting to uh, keep the Kelpies under wraps. Or you could have it on the other side of, like, you could have a party of Kelpies who are trying to get their freedom and trying mm. to, like, negotiate their way out of this prison that they're in. Mm. And then there could be some kind of a fun duality that you can have with it as well, you know, where you mm. maybe have this cast of knights or or cast, of, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my brain of like the winged hussars, you know, like from mm-hmm. Poland. Yeah. You know, like that level of like, hey, this is what, you know, like our nation used to be about. This is what represents the kind of old honor or the old guard of the world. And then on the other hand, you have like, Kelpie pirate necromancers, right? Yeah. And so the people who are in the nation itself have no idea what the Kelpies are actually doing out in the world or what their their navy is actually doing out in the world. Mm -hmm. So there's some level of plausible deniability where they can look to these knights that represent, you know, to them what their nation actually is. But in in actuality, they're committing horrible war crimes again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's two war crimes in the same episode. That's uh, nice. It's not nearly a record for us, unfortunately, but still, it's weird that it would happen twice. It's a good, good episode in my books. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but your books are weird and covered in goo. <laughs> uh, her, her books are the 30% more? No, no, no. No, those are my books. You, you <laughs> That's my thing, okay? Thank you very much. <laughs> I've got my own my own technique. Oh yeah, you've got you've got your own uh copyrighted goo, right? Like <laughs> that's what it is. Oh man. All right. Well, again, uh I, I feel like we've really nailed it with these two Kelpie stories that we've created here. Uh mm-hmm. Ian, thank you for suggesting the Kelpie. Uh this was really eye-opening for me in terms of like what we can actually do with this monster. Yeah. I, I'm really happy with what we managed to come up with. It, it took some some directions that I wasn't really, you know, planning on. And that's that's kind of the magic of the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it the horse fucking? Was that the angle that you weren't expecting or? Well, it's you. So I was expecting it <laughs> ah. the entire time. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be more surprising if he didn't bring up horse fucking, I think. True. But yes, I, I do agree that um, that this is really fun. And I like the worlds that we built out, too. Mm-hmm. They're, they just seem like interesting uh, regions or realms that we could have adventures in, whether it's like a story or an RPG or uh, what have you. Yeah. Especially especially with the horse fucking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for this a monster mash with the Kelpie. So uh, again, Ian, plug your pluggables, if you would, please. You can find us on YouTube and most podcast aggregators at Undercommon Taste. You can find us on the Flaming Wreckage of Twitter at UCT Homebrew. Uh, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Undercommon Taste. That's where our write-ups go. I'm finally starting to get back into doing write-ups again, which I'm real happy about. We are on itch, uh, undercommontaste.itch.io. That's where we have our liminal horror adventure beneath the lake and my my solo RPG forever home, where your (laughs) home is trying to keep you warm for the rest of your life. Uh, (laughs) It's just a very short life. That sounds ominous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's... (laughs) Your 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 house is actively trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
<laughs> and we we also have a Discord if you wanted to come over and chat with us. Absolutely. Yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. If you want to submit your own world, if you're like, hey, hey, I wanted to see uh, space Kelpies, here's my prompt, you can mm-hmm. do that. You can send in a prompt to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click a link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building that very same setting. Uh, well, something approximating that setting anyway. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on YouTube. We've got a YouTube that you should go subscribe to and click all the buttons that YouTube likes. We are also on Twitter at Let's World Build. We are also on Patreon. So if you want to come and give us money, if you're like, hey, really loved the Kelpie discussion, really loved the horse fucking, here's $5. We will reward that $5 with special bonus features like two episodes of horse fucking two episodes for your set. Yes, Ian, (laughs) twice the episode count, right? Normal thing. In addition to that, you'll get too hot for broadcasts, which I'm sure something from this episode is getting put on there. Not sure what. Uh, And then on top of that, you've got, the Aphid Lounge, a special uh, patron-only Discord chat. And by the way, we're also on Discord. So come join us and chat with us more directly there. Uh, again, big shout out to all of our patrons. We deeply appreciate you. We'd smooch you on the lips if it weren't gross and illegal. Uh, and also, we're a podcast, so like that, there's the whole like, you know, like conceptual. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together until next week. 